You are tuning into the True North Church Podcast. Our prayer is that you would be inspired and encouraged by today's message. For more information about True North Church, please visit us online at truenorthak.org. Good morning. How's everyone doing today? Hey, my name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here. Would you give it up for those watching online right now as they joined us for our second gathering? Good to have you here. And we have folks in correctional facilities across the state as well. And, and uh, how many guys uh, had uh, too much pie for Thanksgiving? Anyone here? A couple honest people. And, I, you know, I don't want it to go to waste, but I forget when it doesn't go to waste, it goes to my waist. You know? And, and so... Uh, um, hey, we're, uh, we're in a series right now called For Better or For Worse, um, but I want to stop for a second. We have seven core values on the side of our, our wall here. We're a Bible church, and we're a spirit-empowered church, and again, next, not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday, we, we have a praise and worship night where we come, and we just praise, we, we pray, we worship, we ex- have extended time in the, just the presence of God. We love that as, at True North Church. It's part of who we are. Come, come next Wednesday, not this Wednesday, the following week. Um, we're a family church. Which is why we do a series uh, on on marriage at least once a year because um, uh, that's the that's that's the that's the basic building block of our culture. Our culture would say it's government or what all this stuff, but the basic building block of civilization is marriage, and so we want to focus on that. Um, but the next banner is that we're a city church. That's why we do twelve days of Christmas. Uh, years ago, we looked for ways we could get outside the doors of our church. We look for ways, and, and we, we, we always tell it, we, one of the things we say around here is we don't want to be the best church in Fairbanks. There's a lot of great churches in Fairbanks. We, don't, we, don't, we never want to be the best church in Fairbanks. We want to be the best church for Fairbanks. And multiple churches can be the best church for Fairbanks. It's a group of people, who, and, and so 12 Days of Christmas is a way for us to get outside the doors of our building, for us to help nonprofits. It's a way for us to share the wealth of our resources as, a, as church, as people. The people's the church. Uh, get out, and we help these nonprofits, and so there's different ways. Again, avail yourself to this. Um, go online. Uh, sign up for, for ringing bells. Here's the cool thing. Uh, every year, we set a new record for the most money raised for Salvation Army ringing bells. Uh, it's the smiling faces of people from True North out there ringing bells, not because, you know, we just smile. And, and every year more comes in, they can't believe. And so let's set another record this year. What do you guys think? Is that okay? Yeah. Can we help Salvation Army? They do a lot of great things in our community. So again, uh, these are ways we can get outside the do- four, do- four, do- ah, four doors of our church. But uh, hey, we're in a new series, and again, it's, it's not new. I guess a couple weeks into it, how to fight fair. Today we're going to talk about fighting. Anyone ever uh, fought with your spouse if you're married? Raise your hand. Some of you are lying right now. And we talk about how to fight fair. And, and so um, I, I, I ran across this. I, I, I tried it last service at work so I can use it again, okay? Uh, uh, this, young, this, this young couple, they, were, they had a little fight. They were kind of interacting, arguing, and they're driving down the country road. And the husband uh, is driving. They drive by a farm full of pigs. And the husband asks the wife, hey, is that a family of yours? And the wife looked at the pigs and replied, yep, my in-laws family. <laughs> and that's how the family, that's how the fight started. Uh, uh, and, and I ran and cried. Last year I decided to buy my mother-in-law, this isn't me, I'm, I'm just a joke off of the internet, okay? I bought uh, my mother-in-law a cemetery plot as a Christmas gift. Now let me just tell you right now, that's not good. The next year I didn't buy her a gift and my mother-in-law said, why didn't you buy a gift for me this year? And I replied, well, in all fairness, you still haven't used the gift I bought you last year. And that's how the fight started. 
The woman asked her husband, why do you keep twisting your, marriage, your wedding ring on your finger? He says, I'm trying to figure out the combination. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. All right. Never mind. <laughs> it's fighting fair. How many want? Now, here's the deal. All couples fight. That's the reality. The, the, the difference is not fighting. The difference is healthy couples fight clean. They learn how, with tools or resources, to, to, to have conversations and arguments, and they fight toward a resolution. They fight clean. Uh, unhealthy uh, couples fight dirty. They, they, they don't always have the tools. Or re- un- uh, healthy couples work for resolution. Unhealthy couples press for victory. There's two verses I want to read that kind of show uh, uh, that, that men and women both have. In fact, Proverbs, this is a guy writing it, but of course the guy had lots of wives. Uh, so Solomon wrote, a quarrelsome wife is like a dripping, a constant drip on a rainy day. Uh, other, another version says like a dripping faucet. Uh, this is Second Mark chapter 2 for the Mark's Wife will stand right version. Uh, it's better to have a severe hemorrhoid than a, live with a husband who's a jerk. There's no amens out there for the guys. The women, like, yeah, one was like, yeah. That's not in the Bible. That's made up. But hey, um, you know, now, in James, the author of James wrote, and, and, and he wrote a powerful book. Really, uh, the book of James is almost like where the pavement hits the road. It's like lots of books, theology. James is like, this is how, this is how it works in life. And James talks about how, to, how I think it's a text we're going to use for how, how do we fight fair? How do we, how do we have a biblical worldview for how we interact as couples or even in relationships if we're not married? Um, but in James chapter 1, it says everyone. Now, now, that word everyone, I looked it up in the original language. It means everyone. Like every one of us. Every one of us should be quick. Say quick. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. And slow to become angry. So here's the, here's the if, you're, if you're a mathematician here, it's quick to listen plus slow plus slow. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, for man's anger does not bring about the, God, the, the righteous life that God desires. In other words, James is saying, if you want to live right, Righteous means living in the right. If you want to live in the right in relationships, then there, you have to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because if you don't have it in that order, and you become angry and let anger rule your marriage or your life, you're not going to produce the righteous life God desires. And so I want to just talk today about how God's rules for fighting fair. And don't have a long time, but I want to just unpack this. If you have your notes, take out your worship guides, and, and we'll give you some tools here. Number one, uh, a stop to listen carefully. Stop and listen. James says, every one of you should be slow or quick to listen. It's like I heard someone, a guy say once, my wife constantly c- complains that I never listen to what she says, or something like that. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 2, it says, A fool finds no pleasure in understanding. 
but delights in air in his own opinions. In other words, a fool, he doesn't, he doesn't aim to understand. He aims to air his opinion or aim to air his side. And that word listen, quick to listen, if you look it up in the original language, that word for listen literally means to perceive and understand. See, there, there's difference between hearing noise and understanding what the noise is saying. So be quick to understand. The challenge is this. Many of us are quick to be understood, not quick to understand. We want someone to know where we stand, but we don't want to know where they stand. So we have to be quick to understand. A fool finds pleasure in not, or no pleasure in understanding. In other words, we have to back up, and there's a few tools I want to give you real quick to how, how to listen, actively listen to your spouse, actively listen to an argument, actively back up, close your mouth, be quick to listen, open your ears, and it says this. So here's a couple things. Number one, uh, uh, after you hear what they say, say back to them, so what I hear you saying is, and then tell them what you hear them saying. Now, that, what that does is it lets the person you're having an argument with understand that you understand where they're coming. So this is what I hear, hear you saying. Let, them, let your spouse know that you actually heard what they said. And, and sometimes it can get lost in translation. They might say, no, that's not what I said. <laughs> How many want to know what they say and what we understand sometimes can be two separate things? Uh, and secondly... A great thing to say if you're actively listening is I understand why you would feel that way. You make their feelings validated. I can see how you feel. See, here's, here's what we do. We, we always judge others by their actions and ourselves by our intentions. Well, I can't believe you did that. And then say, well, I, I didn't mean for it to come out like that. Our intentions, right? We judge others by their actions and ourselves by our intentions. So you back up and, 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 you, and you seek to understand. You seek to, to be quick, to, uh, 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 quick to, to listen, understand where they're coming from. Second, second rule for fighting fair is number two, guard your words faithfully. Guard your words. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Now, just our biology should tell us that. Just how God made us should tell us that, our anatomy. God gave us two ears and one mouth. So we should listen twice as much as we speak. But many of us speak twice as much as we listen. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. In Proverbs, it says, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut, and you'll stay out of trouble. Now, let me just say something. Telling your spouse to shut up isn't good. But shutting up yourself is really good. It's what the author's saying. I think there's two questions we should ask ourselves before we say stuff. And, and, and this is, I, I, I've, I've often taught my kids this. And, and tried to live it myself. Number one is, should it be said? Ask yourself this question before you say it. Should this be said? And number two, should it be said now? 
How many want to know there's some things you should say, but sometimes the moment's not right when you say it, right? And, and so, so, so you have to back up and go, okay, should, I, should, should it be said? If the answer's yes, you ask yourself the question, should it be said now? If the answer's no, then you wait for the right moment to say it, even though you, should, you need to say it, but at that moment, it's not a good time. See, some things are better discussed in a non-conflict time. Now, here's wisdom regarding words. Number one, this is, I don't think it's on the notes here, but number one, never call names. Names aren't good. When you call people names, you're belittling them. And when you belittle them, you're being little. Number two, never raise your voice. Number three, never get historical. Well, you did this, and you always did this, 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 and you, get, and you line up. Don't get historical. Never say never or always. Those are just rules for words. You don't, well, you always, you never, you all, and, and those, you just don't say that. And, and, then, and then next, never threaten divorce. Dismemberment and murder, yes, but not divorce. And lastly, don't ever quote your pastor during a fight. <laughs> well, pastor said this, that doesn't work. So again, we have to use wisdom. Be slow to speak. Think of your words, and our words are powerful. How many want to know words shape our world? God spoke our world into existence with words. Words are very powerful. The power of life and death is in the tongue. The power for life and death in a marriage can be as simple as the words we don't say or the words we do say. And, and to say at the right times, the right thing. And so you ask for wisdom to be slow to speak. God, should I say it? Should I say it now? Uh, uh, the, third, the third rule for, for, for fighting fair is number three, handle your anger righteously. Be slow, uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And, and the rest of the verse isn't on there, but, but for man's anger, it says, does not bring about the righteousness or the righteous life that God desires, our anger. And, and many of us know, know, know the verse in Ephesians chapter 4, where it says, in your anger, do not sin, do not give the devil a foothold. Now, now how many want to know, when you get angry, you're in a dangerous place. Da see, anger is one letter, word, one letter shy of danger. We don't want to get a D in anger. And so anger, and, 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 and Paul says this, again, in your anger, do not sin, you give the devil a, how many guys have ever, and it says don't let the sun go down on your anger. How many guys have ever gotten angry with your spouse, and, and you go to bed, and you don't look at each other when you're angry in bed? One spouse faces one wall, the other spouse faces the other wall, and you have backs to each other. Anyone know what I'm talking about? My wife's shaking her head like, Yes. The rest of y'all are like, no, we don't know what you're talking about. Well, well and, and so at some point, one of you has to break down the wall and tap the other one and say, you know, let's just kind of talk about this. Let's not go to bed angry. Because here's what happens. When you, when, if you don't simmer down before sundown, the Bible says don't let the sun go down your anger. You give the devil a foothold. And, and uh, when I was growing up, I, 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 I know what the argument was about. It doesn't matter about the argument. But, but I, I had an argument with my older brother, Carl. And Carl was like, I'm going to kill you. And I, I could tell from the tone of voice he meant it. And, 
Uh, and so I'm running from him, and I'm running up. I had a room upstairs in an old 19, early 1900s farm home, and, and there was old glass doorknobs, you know, those doorknobs that didn't have locks on it. But, but my parents, at one time, they, they put the old, I call it barn door lock on it, where you got to pull it up, and then they drill a hole in the, in the, in the one-by-four trim so that the, 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 bolt, the bolt action could go inside and lock your door. So I thought, if I could run to my door and shut my door in time and lock that bolt, I was safe. The problem is, I didn't get the bolt locked before my brother got his foot inside that door. And that was the day I learned what a foothold was. A foothold is where you leave the door open enough that what is chasing you gets in there. And how many want to know the devil would love to cause division and anger and strife and not have you actually restore relationship before the sun goes down? And here's what's good about Alaska or bad about Alaska. We don't get a fight as long. Because when sun sh- when the darkness closes, when darkness comes on us in the next 10 minutes, you better not be having. <laughs> got to work through it. But I learned that day when my brother got a foot inside the door, he got his whole body inside the door, and that foothold became a stronghold, and now he's wrestling me down, and he holds me. The Bible talks about strongholds. The Bible fights, says the, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. They have divine power to demolish strongholds and tear down every argument and pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. What does that mean, friends? It means this. You go to bed angry enough, you give the devil a foothold, and he begins to build strongholds in your mind as to reasons why you're right and they're wrong, and they have to apologize first. And, and all of a sudden, you start to develop your life on anger. And the Bible says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and be very slow to get angry, because anger does not produce the righteous life God desires. Friends, Understand something. If we don't learn how to deal with our anger in our marriage, that you, you invite, if I could say it this way, you invite, invite demonic, satanic activity into your life and to, to begin to torment your mind about your spouse, and that's not what God desires. There's spiritual battles going on that we don't always see. We just think we're battling our spouse, and the Bible, is, the, the, the Bible is very clear. There's more going on than just you and your spouse interaction in a negative way. The devil would love to cause division and strife and tear apart what God put together. We have to handle our anger righteously. Now, John Gottman, I don't have a lot of time to walk through this today, but John Gottman wrote, uh, uh, did 16 years as a psychiatrist, psychologist, and, and he worked at University of Washington, and, and he taught uh, psychology there, and he's the premier marriage researcher and, and author. Uh, it doesn't matter, Christian, secular, he's got the premier, he's got the best research out there, the best information, and, and over thousands of couples over 16 years, he, he got them, uh, they, he had apartments where they could go, and they, they had him questions to interact, and to 91% accuracy, he could tell a couple, uh, uh, he wrote down in an envelope, sealed it, and he said 20, 15, 20 years later, if they'd be married or not, he was 91% accurate with his guessing. Not his guessing, his judgment. His research. And, and he wrote, in, in his books, he writes about what he calls the four apocalypse of marriage. And he talks about, uh, his premise is that it's not if people fight, it's how they fight. And he could tell, not if, because he says couples will fight. But if you, you could tell when they got to a place, there's a slippery slope toward death, it, it, toward, toward an apocalypse in marriage. There's, there's, three, there's four things you could see. It starts out here and gets down here. He starts out and says the first negative trait 
in an argument or fighting with a spouse is what he calls criticizing. Criticizing. See, there's a difference between complaining and criticizing. See, criticizing or complaining addresses a specific action that your partner's failed in. Criticism is a glo- it's global. It attacks a character or their personality. Here's an example. Complaint. There's no gas in the car, and I'm frustrated that you didn't fill up the gas like you said you would. That's a complaint. Criticism is you never remember anything. You can't be counted on for your word. There's a difference between I'm frustrated you didn't fill the gas tank up to you are, are nobody I can count on for your word. There's criticism. That's the first step. The next step in this, in this negative slide in fighting is number two, contempt. See, contempt is composed of a set of behavior that communicates disgust. It's, it's, uh, it's not limited, but it, it, it holds this sneering, sarcasm, name-calling, rolling your eyes, mocking. I feel like it's a junior high Sunday school class here. But eye-rolling, mockery, hostile humor, it's primarily translated through non-verbal communication or non-verbal behavior. You just roll your eyes. You're just kind of contempt. You're just like, you're like, uh, and it, push, it puts off a vibe that I'm not very happy with you. But how many want to know, if you let the sun keep going down on your anger, that's only going to grow. And it doesn't move toward reconciliation. It inevitably increases the conflict. Let's talk. Grunt. And, and, and there's this nonverbal contempt. And, and really what that is, is your heart growing hard. Friends, here's a clue. Have hard skin and a soft heart. Don't have soft skin and a hard heart. Hard heart brings contempt. And then the next thing that happens in this, in this slippery slope that, that Gottman talked about was what he called defensiveness. Defensiveness is when the behavior conveys the message, the problem's not me, it's you. I, I read it in a, I've read a couple books the last couple of weeks that have been brilliant. Um, but one defined defensiveness is this. Adjusting the truth so that you don't have to adjust to it. Adjusting the truth so that we don't have to adjust to it. We just adjust it. In other words, we deflect it. We're defensive. It's not us. It's got to be you. I mean, if you'd have done this, you wouldn't be telling me about this right now if you'd have done your part first. See, defensiveness pushes. It always externalizes the problem. It's always someone else. It's always the other person. It's never me. It's not internal. It's external. It's adjusting the truth so you don't have to learn and adjust yourself. Now, how many want to know in a marriage, it's never one person's fault all the way? It's always two. Have you ever met those people? It's never their fault, though. And then uh, lastly, this is the, so it goes from, again, it it goes from a a criticism to contempt to defensiveness to more contempt, which leads to more defensiveness. And eventually, one partner tunes out. They call that stonewalling to where they don't even hear anymore. It's like Charlie Brown. Wah, 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 wah. Don't even hear it. You stonewall. And we've seen this. You've seen it with, you've seen it with people around you where, where, where it's like they don't even hear anymore. And when you get to a marriage, that, that's why slow, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Why? Because if you let that anger grow, it's going to end up getting to a place where you stonewall and you can't 
even hear anyone anymore. And that's a, that's a, and, and here's the challenge. We, we, we turn away from the argument. We turn away from the spouse at that point. We turn away from the marriage at that point, And the devil wins because he's been wanting to destroy what God put together all along. So we become, let's become slow to criticize, slow to get contemptuous. Let's not become defensive. Let's not get to a place where we stonewall. Let's fight against the enemy and not make our spouse our enemy. Number four. Don't react in emotion, respond in the spirit. Now, there's a difference between reacting and, and responding. The other day, uh, we, we, uh, we served Thanksgiving dinner at Denali Elementary. We shut the church down, our staff goes, and we serve Denali Elementary. It's just a fun day, and then we, we usually do something fun for staff development after that. And so we rented out the axe throwing contest and threw axes at each other. It was a lot of fun. Um, but in there, uh, someone who brought some almonds wrote to share, and my wife grab some almond roca, and, uh, and she, like, she starts to cough, and her throat begins to constrict, and she goes, uh, and she, she found out she was allergic to almond roca. The good news is she gets to give it all to me now. Uh, the, the, but her body reacted to that allergen, and someone luckily had some Benadryl. She took it, and her body responded to the Benadryl. How many want to know there's a difference between reacting and responding? And, and, and when you get angry, you react. And when you react, you, you don't always think cognitively when you're reacting emotionally. Um, but I want to present to you a thought that the Holy Spirit is a really good coach. The Holy Spirit's a really good guide. And, and, and we need to respond to what the Holy Spirit's saying. But sometimes we're so worked up emotionally, we can't hear what the Holy Spirit's saying. Because here's what happens. Our, 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 our anger rages and, gets, and elevates, and the Holy Spirit slowly whispers. And friends, I'm convinced of this. The older I get, the more I realize I need to be in his word. I need to be in time of prayer. I need to, have, I need, I need to memorize more scripture. Because I'll tell you what happens. As I've realized that I need more of Jesus than I've ever had before. The challenges in our culture, the challenges in, 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 in what's going on in our, around. If I want my marriage to be strong and full of intimacy and full of life and full of producing life in my daughters and my sons, then I have to have a deep, intimate relationship. Why? Because when crisis comes, I want to hear the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to, part of the role of the Holy Spirit is to remind me what, the, what God has already said. But how do I know what God says if I don't know his word? The Holy Spirit brings back to memory. When my wife and I, early on in our marriage, would have an argument, um, my, my wife was smart enough to realize, you know, I'm not going to put boxing gloves on a fight with a type A driven boxer. I mean, I'm, I'm a, my name means mighty warrior. I like to fight. But the fight's over if no one wants to fight back. So here I married my wife. Her name does mean battle maiden. But my wife would just go for a walk or she'd just close the, the bedroom door and lock it. That's not always a good sign. And she'd go in the restroom and she'd shave her legs and she would pluck her eyebrows. And I know what she was doing. She was doing that while she's going, Holy Spirit, would you speak to my husband? He's not an idiot, but he's acting like one. I don't know exactly what she said, 
But I'd be like, come on, knocking on there. Let's just talk about this. I'm not ready to right now, Mark, and you're not either. And about an hour and a half later, I'd come back and I'd say, because the Holy Spirit would say, Mark, just shut up. Go apologize. You're an idiot. The Holy Spirit told me I was an idiot. My wife didn't have to. See, there's times you name call your spouse, and the Holy Spirit actually wants to do it himself. Actually, that's probably not good theology. <laughs> Sorry for some of you that are like, that's no, not coming back to this church, the Bible, that pastor doesn't know his Bible. <laughs> How it worked for me, Holy Spirit would come back and, and I'd go knock on because I, see, I, I, could, I could react out of emotion or I could respond to what the Spirit is saying. Because here's the deal, do not overcome, in Romans 12, do not overcome evil, or do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And if you read the book of Romans, Romans is all about this fight between flesh and spirit, and you got the Holy Spirit, and you got your flesh, and, and why do I do what I don't want to do, and the things I don't want to do, I do, and this right fight back and forth, and, and, and what he's saying is overcome evil, your flesh, by doing good. And that's, con- that, that, that's when you allow the Holy Spirit to reign and speak and guide and give wisdom and give insight. Friends, we need that in our life today. What would happen in our culture if more of us were sensitive to the Spirit? What would happen in our world if everyone was sensitive to the Spirit? We'd have a different world than we have right now. So much of our world is dominated by anger. Number four. Number four, confront to heal Never to win. Confront to heal. Never to win. I, I, love, I love what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3. Finally, all of you, live in harmony with another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate. Be humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. Don't, don't try to do, 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 carve another insult. Don't try to win the argument, but rather what? Confront to heal. The goal is healing and harmony and, symph- and symphony, not, 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 not a relationship where you want to win all the time. Oh, I'm 12 to 1. I've won 12 of my arguments this year. That's not a badge of approval. But with blessing. Because of this, you were called so that you might inherit a blessing. God's asked us to be a blessing, not a burr in someone's fur. God's asked us to be a, a place that brings healing. And, and, and now, now here's the deal. When you confront to heal, never to win, there are times you do confront. There are times. Remember that when they ask the questions? It, it, should I say this? The question is this. Should, I, should it be said? Yes. Should it be said now? No. Well, then let's find the right time. And, and, and you confront and you bring healing in the non-conflict times. You, 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 you find a place to say, honey, babe, let's talk about this. This is how it makes me feel when this happens. And, 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 and work through those things. And, and, and ask the questions like this. What do I do that blesses you the most? And what could I do? To better bless you. It's a great way of saying, hey, I want to get better at blessing you, not causing problems. I, I want to hear what you're saying. But, you, but, but you're going to address those at non-conflict times. And then number six, forgive and apologize. Forgive and apologize. Um, we, we, have a, we have a foster son right now. And my foster son and my son uh, don't always get along. 
like siblings would fight, six-year-old and eight-year-old. And one day Fulton got, you know, he, Fulton kind of, my, my son did something that was, you know, probably not very nice to his foster son. And I said, Fulton, come here. And I, I, we have a, a little retreat off of our bedroom. And I was sitting there in my chair. And I said, Fulton, sit on my lap. So my eight-year-old climbed up on my lap. I said, Fulton, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, make allowance for other people's faults. There's going to be faults that people have. And my, my son does, I don't know what allowance is. I said, well, you know when mom and dad give you money? Do you like that? Oh, yeah. That's called an allowance. We give you something that sometimes we just kind of got to, you got to give a little bit for your, your brother. You don't always have to win. You're going to apologize. Let's make allowance for his faults. How many, how many guys have faults? How many are thankful that we've made allow, other people made allowances for your faults? I am thankful people don't, I mean, don't expect me to be perfect. And, and, and so we make allowance for each other's faults. And I said, and then Fulton, and it says this, and, and it says, forgive those who what? Offend you. I said, Fulton, you have to forgive those who offend you. And why? Remember that God forgave you, so you must forgive someone else. And, I, and, and so, so when it comes to your marriage, here's the deal. If you don't get A's in everything, don't expect your spouse to get A's in everything. Give allowance to them for having some faults. And, 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 and then forgive them when they offend you. Forgive them. Apologize. And, and I'm convinced that this word dismantles a whole lot of arguments. I'm sorry. I take responsibility for what happened. Will you forgive me? You know, if you're in a fight and someone just kind of says, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Now, Men and women are different. Men forgive by forgetting. Women forgive by remembering. So we men say, I said I was sorry. Just forget about it. Oh, no, 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 no. Women are wired differently. Women forgive by remembering. So you might want to give them a day. It might take a couple hours. It might take a day or two. Well, all of a sudden they come back and they say, oh, you know, you know they remember why they loved you in the first place. Because that moment right there, they're not ready to remember how good you are. Because all they remember is this, the, the improper way is dealing with your anger earlier. But forgive and apologize. Aren't you glad that God has forgiven us? I want to pray for marriages before we end today, but maybe you're here, you're online today, and you're, you're, you're listening, you don't even have a relationship with Jesus, and you go, here, here's the deal. God knows everything about us, and he still loves us. And the Bible says it's important once for men to die, and after that to face judgment. My question for you is this. If you died today, do you know for sure you go to heaven when you die? Because we all have an expiration in the milk curtain of our lives. I talked to a gentleman today who lost his 22-year-old son this week to death. We're not promised tomorrow. We don't have tomorrow promised. If you died today, do you know for sure you'd spend eternity with Jesus? Because here's what I know. We all are going to spend eternity somewhere, either in heaven with God or eternally separated from God in a different destination. And the Bible says it's as easy as A, B, C to know where you're going. A, admit you've sinned. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life. A, admit you sin. B, believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. And C, confess Jesus as the Lord of your life. 
If you're here today, you've never made or you're online, you've never made a decision to serve Jesus, I'd like to pray with you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this auditorium? If you're able to, where you're listening to it online, uh, at a correctional facility, just bow your heads. Pray this personally as I pray it out loud. Dear Jesus, today, I admit I've sinned. And I believe you died on the cross to forgive me. Please forgive me today for my sins. I confess my sins to you. And I admit I need you. And Lord, today, I, I confess you as the Lord of my life. Please be my Savior and life leader and help me serve you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Be sure to stay in touch by following us on social media so you can stay up to date with all that is happening at True North Church.